0: here is david littlejohn with true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen
1: all right gang it is that time of the week the best tuesday you've had all week long and we are stoked to be joining you live in studio with me is the Wiz kid
0: matt dixon all
1: right are you really i mean is kid the right term though you know like the whiz young man no that doesn't make when sense. i start
0: getting a bunch of wrinkles we'll we'll get rid of it but until then we're gonna stick with it
1: okay whatever you say okay uh, so I am your host David Littlejohn and we're stoked to be here on this a really just a crappy time in the stock market so that's going to make for a very interesting show. Uh, by show of hands that I cannot see for all of my listeners out there just how many people think that we have an ugly stock market. And if your hand is not raised then I'm like please call the office cuz we need encouragement. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Indeed. I
1: mean, it is just an ugly world out there. Uh, we are officially-
0: We're in bear market.
1: Bear markets, right? And so not B-A-R-E, right? B-E-A-R. Mm. Exactly. Bear market. You mean like summer where you could take your sl- like short sleeves and stuff? No, no. I mean like 20% down from the peak levels of this market. Uh, now, I do think it's ridiculous when people say things like, oh, well, we have a market crash. Like, I don't even know how to define crash because yeah. that just sounds that look like? inflammatory, right? But it, we do have like a market mess. And so that's the part where I'm like, all right, well, big old market mess. And what does that mean? Um, it means there could be more downside, is I think what it means. Oh, yeah. And... So it's it's hard to poll people on the radio here when we talk about well, what might we do? You know, what do we think, or what do you guys want to hear about? But I will tell you that there's a general underlying theme to this that we're going to spend a little time unpacking today. okay? Okay, like why do you think the markets are down so much, Matt?
0: I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with inflation. Yeah, I mean, the Fed is over there scratching its head, raising rates. And we're expected for another big rate hike. Right. They're trying to get it under control, but I mean, I think the last report was eight point three. However, they measure that
1: um, eight point six. Oh, is it CPI, now? I believe. Okay. Um, you know, there are lots of different ways that this gets measured, but yeah, so far we're at uh, eight point six. Is the 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 most recent that I've seen, um, and that is from the Department of Labor. Published on June, so I guess it was uh, previously it had been 8.3, but now 8.6 is the average for the last 12 months. So it's up from 8.3.
0: The gas prices, that's not helping. The supply chains, that's not helping. We've had a few things that have been really driving it. I feel like.
1: Yeah, and we can. So we're going to talk a little bit about you know what does this mean and what are the, what is it that the markets are looking for now. I I do think that we have this tendency to overcomplicate mm-hmm. the markets. Uh, the reality is there are just so many moving parts. But uh, I've, I try to strip this down to what, what's, what really is driving the price of the markets.
0: I mean, if we want to get down to the nuts and bolts, you could say that there have been a lot of people selling and yeah. maybe not a ton of people buying.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you get down to supply and demand... Mm -hmm. that's ultimately it so what happens is just not a lot of appetite for purchase right now so there's low demand and there's a lot of people that want out Mm -hmm. because of fear primarily and so that is a high supply right okay so in high supply low demand prices fall
0: i guess the silver lining is the closer you know to the bottom of this wherever that is that we go there's going to be more and more buyers
1: well right and so there are lots of different ways to frame this. I mean, let's talk about a few of them here. But but before we do that, I mean, let's just let's ask ourselves, you know, why are the markets down? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you find yourself going through a litany of reasons, like well, because of inflation, or because of Putin, or because of Ukraine, or because right. of this, or because of that, then I will say, okay, all of those are reasonable thoughts to it, but you're overcomplicating it. Mm-hmm. You're actually trying to give me the reason that everybody has in common and the answer is I don't know why for sure but I could say a confluence of events have created this cocktail that lead us to have an imbalance of sellers to buyers so people it's the the perception of the buyer this a lousy time to own stocks and so the market declines interestingly enough it's not just the perception that matters, but it's the aggressiveness of the buyer or seller, and it is the depth of the market that also contribute to this.
0: Right.
1: You know what I'm. T- you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean,
0: because it's like if the aggressiveness of the buyer says, "I don't want to be in the market at all," and that carries through the markets, and people do a full liquidation, that's a much different event than if someone says, "You know what." I'm not too scared by this market. I'm gonna maybe pull ten percent out and let the rest of it ride.
1: Right, and I've I've seen over the course of my career a lot of people riding the emotional roller coaster start to make binary decisions, right? Like all or nothing. Sure. Uh, I think that's a terribly dangerous thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of things that I think we should point out, just data wise. Okay. First of all, uh, how how often have you heard, you know, for example, oh, well, the markets just lost X. Trillion dollars of market cap.
0: Mm, yes. Have you ever
1: heard that before?
0: The the news catching headline articles. That's what I'm going to title right? that.
1: Like if the S and P 500, if we added up all of the stocks in the S and P 500, like the total value of all the companies, mm-hmm. and let's just I'm just going to say th- these are not real numbers, but let's just illustrate. So let's say it's worth uh hundred trillion dollars. That was the value. same
0: number I had in mind. That's funny. Okay.
1: okay. So a hundred trillion dollars for all of the companies. In the stock market. Okay. Uh, we're going to say SP 500. So if, if they added up to this, and I don't know what the real number is, but that's what we're using. And then when we go through a bear market where there's 20% correction, mm-hmm. right? Or not even correction, 20% decline, though. So it goes from 100 trillion to 80 trillion. So people say, we just wiped out 20 trillion of value. Mm-hmm. And my question to you, and so I'm going to play Socrates with you, Matt, and sure. ask you questions, is, is that accurate
0: I mean I think the way I would look at it is going back to say a year ago and I would say well if we've lost 20% from January where were we a year ago
1: well so that what are you trying to measure
0: this this is is try- fun. I'm trying so I changes. would be trying I'm to you. Yeah, yeah, I mean what, what I would do you what be trying do you think to you're measuring that way I would be measuring a percentage change from maybe the last three years and then comparing that to a year ago, okay. not necessarily trying to measure by the dollar value
1: okay, so you're you're talking about percentages mm-hmm. but so you're delinking from market cap entirely
0: yeah, right? I would I would try and delink because I just don't know that that's a fair way to analyze things
1: so. Why do you think that's an unfair way? There, by the there's just so all of you mm-hmm. listening. There's not like there's a right or wrong answer to this one. I'm not necessarily even seeking an answer from Matt right that, to to get here. So this is not. And he's he's on his toes on this one. I didn't prep him for this either. But um,
0: that that that's re- relative. I think I think where I'm going with this is to say that the amount of money that we're evaluating at is relative because. At any moment in time, right, it's fluctuating, that total amount. So I don't necessarily think that to measure it by a dollar amount would be accurate.
1: Well, if everybody wanted... So here's the thing. Market cap to me is it's an interesting measure, but is it relevant?
0: I don't know that it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is if you're if you're like a small business and you're trying to sell your business and you want to know mm-hmm. what's the value of my company, but I think it's sort of silly. I mean, it's it's a it's a novelty to measure the market cap of everything, to measure the market cap of the S and P 500. But is that possible to get? Like like if you were an investor, could you somehow own the whole market cap? Of of the S and P five hundred? No, right. And and not only that, if like let's talk about let's pick a company. We have ABC company that's worth one trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. If that company were to fully liquidate, meaning they were going to sell everything, it's not going to be worth a trillion dollars, right? Because in order to, you'd have to have demand go to zero. Nobody wants to buy it anymore. So who's going to buy it if you're if everybody's selling it? Right. Like who's going to make the market if it's a complete liquidation? At that point, it's a bankruptcy. And then it's more like, well, whatever parts are left that people are willing to sort of scoop up, that's the value now. And by the way, there are people that look at the market and try to value it that way. There value investors look at the book value of a company. It's like, well, if we just added up all the parts to everything, what's the, all the stuff worth? You know, Just the assets and the real estate and the vehicles and the tools and equipment and all the stuff. What's that worth? And they said, well, there's your book value per share. And then you compare it to the actual value per share and you start to go, okay, well, what are we paying for future earnings? Right? Lots of different ways to analyze a company, but in the end, what are they all doing?
0: They're trying to find a price discrepancy between the trading price and what they actually think that it's worth. Yeah, and, I mean and because I say, those aren't always the same thing.
1: Yeah, and in simple terms, like we're just trying to rationalize whether or not we want to own it.
0: Yeah, is it a good buy?
1: Yeah, I, I mean when Zoom, the <laughs> right? video teleconferencing company, at the beginning of COVID, shows up. I mean, look at the stock price shoot up. To I mean, basically, it's like well, you're going to get paid for the next thirty years of income this year.
0: Hmm. Cause wasn't it like three fifty a share? Oh, uh, it was something from comical. Like, yeah,
1: uh, you, you know, you looked at it and you're like, "Well, this company doesn't earn anything mm-hmm. yet, relatively speaking." But we're willing to bid the stock up because everybody's going to adopt Zoom; they're going to make a fortune. And then when the world started to reopen again, stock starts to collapse because the use case has changed. Yeah,
0: that that kind of blew my mind, right? Like Google exists, Google Meet exists, yet we're going to value Zoom on the level that. It's um, like. Lots I mean, of it, it came Skype back to reality, there, but yeah.
1: Facetime was there, and Microsoft Teams was there, right. and like, there's tons of different platforms, but Zoom somehow became the flavor. Mm-hmm. Or how about DocuSign? We're all gonna do the yeah. digital signature. By the way, DocuSign's down like 80 percent from peak right now. I think it fell like twenty something percent just either in the last few days. So. There's another example of well, everybody thought this for is a like, while it's worth it. It was a feeding frenzy of buyers, right? This All is, the lemmings.
0: Yeah, we're going back a couple of weeks to our prior conversations of spec tech.
1: Spec tech. Yep. Yeah. Those and and so why does this matter? Because we've got to talk about inflation. We got to, you know, that's the whole point of the show is that how's the market going to digest inflation and why does it care? So what inflation is going to do is it's going to influence buyers and sellers. It's going to change their opinions of the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. The question is how and what does that mean for us as investors? And, and what I'm telling you is there's really not a right or wrong answer. There's going to be a bunch of theoretical answers. And then we have to parse out which one makes the most sense for us as investors or what do we think is the major theme that the market's going to pick up on and can we try to get in the center of that trend are we going to theorize on that later and totally to the theorize on. oh that, man that's right? going to be fun but they're going to make us take an evil profit break okay. first so i think we got to do that so all right there's the music that's what it means so stick around and uh, when we come back we're going to talk more uh what does inflation mean for you all right that and more but first these very important profit messages. So, this is Dave Littlejohn.
0: And Matt Dixon. And you
1: got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to True Wealth Radio Show, where uh, David's barely alive. He almost <laughs>
0: sneezed himself out of this world.
1: Like, right in the middle of go I don't really have allergies or anything, but apparently I do get to sneeze during the break. You're so, allergic to inflation, David. I That's am, what it am is. You're getting inflationary I sneeze. So uh, welcome everybody, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, those of you on the live stream, we do see the the comments coming through, so it's good to see everybody. And thank you for those that have offered blessings. Where can after they find this? Um, Is currently live on both Facebook and YouTube. So, so just go
0: to Little John Financial on YouTube and yeah, click you, on the live videos. It's, it's
1: streaming on my personal Facebook page, our business page, and then on YouTube as well. So. What I want to talk about now, here's the next segment. Let's get into the goods here. There are a lot of different ways that inflation gets measured. And the reason we wanted to talk about this is uh, when our investment committee got together this morning, one of the things we talked about is what's the major themes going on in the market? And inflation was kind of the takeaway. The first one was, darn gas prices are high, Mm -hmm. right? And they are. In fact, here's my question to all of you listening. Has your behavior changed because of gas prices? Hmm. Right? Do you do you drive differently now, or drive fewer places?
0: I did finally put my truck in eco mode the other day.
1: Oh my goodness! It's a huge yeah. Right I there. saved
0: a full mile per gallon. Okay.
1: Gone to eco mode. Change the mm-hmm. shift points in your truck. That's Which right. Just goes to prove shift happens. <laughs> uh, so That's going to be a radio promo. In, indeed. Uh so how do we measure inflation? Okay. Well, interestingly enough, the government likes to track lots of different ways, and there are probably tons of ways. But we want to talk about inflation and because this is it's very, very relative, and, and we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna talk a little bit about the yield curve. Okay, inflation and yield curve. Because I think investors if if you get a better handle on some of these moving parts, it'll give you a sense of the themes that are really driving what's going on here. Like it, it's, it, to a certain extent, it explains why the markets are behaving like they are, but hopefully it will also give you a, a little bit of a grounding in like, well, what does this mean and what ought I do? Okay, and then you have to frame that as careful because we don't offer investment advice on specific investments, but strategically, I think there's some things that you need to consider. So first, Matt, how do we measure inflation? Like where'd the eight point six figure come from?
0: Well, I know one well, I guess, and that's CPI. Right, which stands for Consumer Price Index.
1: Okay. So what first of all, do you know what governance what governing body measures CPI?
0: You know, I actually don't, so surprise me here.
1: The Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay. Okay. And and this is not super important. It's just interesting to know because there's more than one government agency that tracks inflation. Okay? What's the other? So the other one is uh the look okay, so the the Bureau of Economic Analysis is one of them, and then also and this is interesting the diff- there's the Federal Reserve the Fed system has, has their different own measures? measures right so okay. like there's the St. Louis Fed or the Chicago Fed or there's the uh, Atlanta fed. And so the New York fed, there's these different federal reserves and they all have their different research bodies.
0: Is there much of a discrepancy in their numbers? That's what I'm kind of curious about. Not necessarily. Okay. Uh, But so they're all kind of on the same page relatively.
1: Not, no, not also not necessarily. It depends. They measure different parts for different reasons. Gotcha. So as an example, um, so there's
0: it, not a ton of redundancy where they're measuring the same thing. They're looking I, I in they're know. looking in different ways. There's just
1: not agreement, right? So okay. Um, as as an example, uh, personal consumption expenditures is different than CPI, consumer price index, right? That's a PCE versus CPI, and so PCE gets measured by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, where CPI gets lab, uh, measured by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Labor statistics, right? So there's there's going to be these different versions of what is being measured, sure. And then within those, there's different things too. So um, I, I know as an example, this is not for inflation, but for gross domestic product, which mm-hmm. is measured by the uh, the other group. I keep toggling back and forth because I don't even have them memorized. You're right? The like Bureau so of, many
0: of these uh, things. Uh, this remember? one's measured
1: by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, right? So they do GDP. Well, the sh- the Atlanta Fed. Has a version that they call their GDP now, which is a faster-moving statistic, and they use some different underlying elements to track. So do they like remove
0: property. a few layers? Like, do they take energy out and just look at? Like, it would be interesting to do like a full breakdown and look into the depth oh, of like there's, how there's, they measure there's this.
1: There's so many ways. Like, for example, you could look at uh the c cpi right consumer price index or you can do core cpi which removes food and energy Mm -hmm. or then you could just look at food and energy right so the non-core parts of cpi uh there was a term i don't remember where it came from a a friend of mine showed to me called sticky cpi versus um, something else and basically the the sticky cpi is lower that's the stuff that once it changes price it tends to stay there Mm. so like wages right wages historically don't contract much um you'd have to go through a pretty significant contraction period in the economy so you go through a a recession okay and uh if if you don't know raise your hands again unless you're driving if you know what a recession is because we're going to quiz matt and see if he knows mm. what the definition of a recession is
0: okay matt wants are we doing it right now yes okay right. I think... no
1: google time we're just going to catch him on his toes i
0: think it was was it three or four consecutive quarters of economic debt two no it's two two it's oh, okay Yep.
1: Yeah, one is a warning but two consecutive quarters we call it a recession was it six that you beyond, have to have to be a i think beyond six and we start to call depression. it depression
0: depression and now have we gone past six since the 30s
1: not to, not that i recall yeah Even i in don't think so. we didn't have that long right Right. And that was the worst one that we, we talked about, the Great Recession, right? Mm-hmm. Which was this severe recession, but technically didn't last. It didn't last long more enough. More than six quarters. So,
0: for all of the people that are like, this is going to be five or six years of pain, it's like, well, yes. historically, right. you know, and over the, the last hundred years. Yes. Yeah, so, like, bear well, markets, eight, as an
1: example, now that we're in bear market, mm-hmm. side note from our inflation conversation, is shortest bear market, I think, is about 30 days. Which mm-hmm. happened in twenty
0: twenty. And we've actually seen this for a while now. We're in month six. So So Well, so, well of the we've downturn. Been declining right for
1: six months or, or you know, almost six months. Right. And the average was something like thirteen months, the longest was like five years to get out of a bear market. Mm-hmm. And remember one of those was the Great Depression.
0: Right. So excluding that
1: if you exclude the Great Depression, the statistics get better, right? Right. So it's kind of an outlier almost. So it's really one of those deals where, if you can adjust your time horizon and patience level, mm-hmm. it would radically benefit you. Okay. Yep. Uh, my sense is that, despite the chaos that is our our system right now, things are largely going from lower left to upper right in all categories right we live at the in the united states we have such a peak levels of human comfort
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and that's not to say that there's not tragedy in the world and there's not crime and there's not uh, terrible circumstances for individuals but in aggregate people are so comfortable and they have access to the internet and other F- resources. And I'm not saying there's n- issues with food security or mm-hmm. Yeah, those are real issues. But in general, things are better now than at any point in history. Right. As far as your personal comfort and your access to uh, entertainment and all the other things that come with it, it's like w- we have air conditioner. Right. Right. We have food that's readily available. Uh, even in periods when it's hardship, right, there's still food available. It's not starvation. It's like, changing what's available and and i'm talking about for the united states largely you know we we are at the point of inventing problems to complain about because we have so few hardships right we've developed much more exotic social issues than would have ever occurred to people 100 years ago who just wanted to not starve
0: you know and i i actually appreciate the word they're developed because we really have manufactured issues we do yeah,
1: right. And for the people that are really, really passionate about it, this may be very, very insulting. And I kind of go, it's perspective here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all a matter of perspective that uh, we really have it made in in most perspectives. And so we get, then, then folks get into, well, you know, it's the game of more. And if you never heard me say this on the True Wealth Show, I'm going to say it now and you know, take this in. The game of enough is the game to play. The game of more, you'll never win. Okay. If you want to be unhappy in life, play the game of more. You will always be unsatisfied. It's difficult to be grateful for anything. Everything becomes a contest. And if your wallet is measuring your self-worth, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, We get it. If you're broke, it's hard to be happy. But the game of enough is a way more sensible game than the game of more. Sure. So just keep that in mind. Now, back to home base. Okay. OK this whole inflation discussion, okay? We're talking about different ways that we measure it, like CPI is a way. uh, CPI less food and energy is a way. Personal consumption expenditures, right? What are the things that people have to buy, right? So that's a a different one. Uh, Personal consumption, excluding food and energy. We keep wanting to exclude food and energy, and of course, what are the most expensive things right now?
0: Food and energy. Food and energy. Let's not exclude those.
1: And then there's all these other ways, so let's just, At this point, I don't think there's any uh, argument over whether or not we have inflation. Yeah, I will also tell you some measures of inflation I've seen are approaching close to twenty percent. Okay, so uh, how we measured inflation, like which goods and services were tracked a while ago, looks different. So uh, we also have a question, by the way, um, you know how to produce your price indexes figure, and so we'll we'll address that in a sec. But if you look at the god that just, every time I do that if I look at a question in the middle of it just the show, derails it, it yeah derail huh? me cuz I'm like really you want me to talk about that too but um, the the home base idea that you know we have lots of inflation some of it very very high the reason I think we don't use the super high measures I don't think it's political believe it or not there's some people out there who go so and so wants this no spare me on that one I think it's because it's inflammatory you start to get kind of kooky behaviors when you take some of the smoothing indicators out. Mm-hmm. Smoothing indicators, like a filter, right? If, if, if unfiltered you, oh. data, then you know you get the real extremes of the you know statistical extremes that start to make things look maybe abnormal. And so, when you see a seventeen to twenty percent inflation, print, you almost
0: make the problem worse. Just well, by you, you scare people for right. one,
1: and so. I don't think that we have nearly that high an inflation in aggregate, but there are areas of the economy that we do, and an mm-hmm. example would be things like the radical escalation in oil prices.
0: Fertilizer.
1: Yeah. Fertilizer spiked up, a lot of commodities spiked up, but then we also see those same commodities. They're just way more volatile. So so wood prices, oh, lower yeah. now than they were five, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, And they're historically cyclical. You know, it, it they're they're agriculturally related, but they're also market dynamics at play, and so we saw you see demand destruction when things get too expensive, right? Mm-hmm. It's the old thing about like beef prices skyrocket, and then people buy less beef, right? And they then buy more like, chicken, and yeah, then the price of and, chicken goes up so, because there's more demand. Know, but I don't think you can invest in Chick Fil A. I think it's privately held. So mm. there you go. But that is a and and you know it's fun. We've got. Um, my, my 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 buddy online evan b farmer who's uh he's the one who's commenting he says things like fertilizer are ridiculous that is true right mm-hmm. there's been a major supply disruption uh because of the war in russia and then uh, that and then there's also been a certain amount well, of like a run on yep. things everybody panics and so it's like oh toilet paper and now fertilizer so that's well, and it does drive an imbalance yeah
0: and i saw that europe's like second largest producer shut down and so, when you mess up the supply chains, that also drives prices.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, we will let's 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 unpack some more of this. As I'm looking at the clock, we're running a, a tad long here. So, yeah, what we'll do is let's grab a quick break, and when we come back on the flip side, we can talk more about producer price index, and let's talk a little bit about wholesale prices as well. Okay. First, this break. This is Dave Littlejohn
0: and Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth
1: on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Where if you were just joining us, one, we are live streaming, so you can grab us on Facebook if you'd like to check us there, or YouTube, both live streaming. And uh, if you are going to miss it, it will also be available as a podcast. Yes. Right? Available at shamelesspugmat.
0: Mm-hmm. How about littlejohnfs.com? Very good. Perfectly Under the shameless. educate tab. Nailed it. Educate yep. yourself.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, my good buddy, Evan B. Farmer, asks in the comments during the break, and I'm going to bring this up, uh, a discussion about PPI versus CPI. Okay. Now, since the theme of today's show is what do investors need to know about inflation, mm-hmm. so first of all, what is we talked about CPI's Consumer Price Index. What is PPI?
0: Performance Price Index?
1: Producer ah, Price Index. Darn. Right? It's okay. There's a there's not industry tests to learn this stuff to get into the advisory world because you actually don't need that for financial planning so This is just like that armchair economics degree that you earn over, mm-hmm. the, over the years of doing this right so the producer price index is a survey that tracks what it costs like it sounds like to produce things okay, okay. and so what we saw was a cpi print over the last 12 months of 8.6 percent now do keep in mind that's not 8.6% higher than last month. Last time we measured it was 8.3. Now it's 8.6. What that is is a 12 month look back saying from 12 months ago, we're this much higher than 12 months ago. Okay. So we're seeing the trend is higher, but. The- the interesting, th- and, and but but it's not like a month over month compounding effect. Can you imagine if we were increasing at eight percent per month?
0: Well, then our money wouldn't be By worth anything. By the end anything.
1: of the year, that we, uh, we would be hyperinflation. Right, yeah. we would legitimately be at a point where it's like, well, gosh, in a, in a year, it's
0: a hundred dollars for a loaf of bread or a yeah, chicken. You're, yeah. you're
1: like, well, that's just not gonna work. Okay, the PPI. Why that's important is it's actually been measured higher. The May print for PPI, if I am if my data source is correct, was ten point eight percent. And the question would be, why is the PPI higher than the CPI?
0: Maybe because companies haven't started to fully price in the cost of production yet. Right, they're just making less money.
1: It's basically coming out of the margin of producers. Sure, right? they're
0: they're the ones that are kind of absorbing part yeah. of the blow. Yeah, so, so it's getting passed on to the consumer, but it's also dinging the people that are manufacturing right. and producing. Right,
1: it's, it's it's affecting margins. Now, this is important to the stock market. Okay? Because
0: earnings will shrink?
1: In theory, yes, if it's mm-hmm. coming out of profit margins, unless your profits in general are increasing, mm-hmm. right? Cuz it's not just the, the profit margin that matters to analysts, but the total profits, right? Hey, we we y- you're a billion, you know, multi-billion dollar company and your profits were 100 million a year and that's a 10% margin. Next year, your profits are 150 million per year, but it's a 9% margin. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you made more money, but as a percentage of the total, you were, you had less total efficiency, but you made more money, right? So it costs more, but you made more. Okay, so you, that's your margins may be shrinking, but your total profits are improving. Okay, well, the the issue with PPI is it's suggesting that the The cost is going up, but if it's going up faster than CPI, it also suggests that the producers are potentially taking the haircut. So they're taking one for the team before the consumer feels it.
0: Right, and that can only go on so long before prices have to raise, and then we see more inflation.
1: Well, that, or it would suggest that more inflation will likely appear on the tape, as we say, right? Mm -hmm. It would show up in the future numbers that there's still more inflation to watch out for. So that would be one of the economic uh, theories that you'd propose, or you know, the economic outcome of this is well, if you've got these numbers that are disconnected, either with inflation coming down with higher rates, then the C- the, the PPI should start to decline, mm-hmm. or CPI is going to continue to be pushed higher. This also, incidentally, is why the Federal Reserve is painted into such a corner. Sure. Right? Because and and what that means is, like, do they have an option about raising rates or not? And and one might argue, well, sure they. I mean, you could have just make the wrong decision and not raise rates. But uh, the the market is now expecting three quarters of a percent rate hike mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. That, oh, that is it it's, tomorrow it's, now? Yeah. Okay. The, well, Wednesday, right? So today's Tuesday. So yeah, They're okay. meeting today and tomorrow, and they're expecting a the the day, it, it to be released tomorrow afternoon. So when that ha- tomorrow afternoon Eastern time, right? And so when that occurs, then we would say we were the markets now handicapping as if. We were we were expecting fifty basis points, right? Remember, basis one hundred basis points equals one percent. Yep. So fifty basis points is a half a percent, and now the markets are handicapping, are starting to price in the expectation of seventy five basis points because these data points are not coming down, right? Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. They expected to see CPI begin to decline. It continued to go higher, so the markets have kind of panicked. You're you're now and 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 can you see how the data fits together now? Mm-hmm. Like, wait a second if ppi is higher than cpi and cpi is still going higher that means potential profit crisis for more companies in the market we better discount future values and the price goes down Mm -hmm. okay now all of this to say it's still just a game of who's going to rationalize what price they're willing to pay
0: and how much of it's already priced in how much is the market reading into this
1: exactly did they already bake that into the cake and now they're saying like well, if the Fed comes out with only 50 basis points and we thought it was going to be 75 basis points, woohoo, that means not it's that, good.
0: Not that you can predict this, but how much of it do you think is already priced in? If you like if you just had to guess. What's your gut tell you?
1: Oh, so this is the old theory of efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. The efficient market hypothesis would would posit that 100% is priced in. Mhm. But what we're pricing in, what's your I think the real question is not what's priced in, but what unknowns may yet occur, mm-hmm. and how might you price in the probabilities of those right. unknowns? Right, right. And because I don't know them,
0: I can't, you can't really answer, answer the question. It. Yeah. So all
1: I can do is take an educated guess. That's right? kind of where I'm leaning with and, this. Well, it's like educated, we just
0: don't know how much of it's priced in.
1: Yeah, I, but I'm willing to do dumb things like take educated guesses on the air. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm crazy, right? You're not <laughs> supposed, you're not supposed to name a price wild. or a time at the same time. But I'm, yeah, you know... It's that time of the day, and mm-hmm. we're rummy. So, <laughs> I would say that the Federal Reserve, I believe, is behind the power curve of policy. I think they probably will be forced to raise at seventy-five basis points. Mm-hmm. They will continue to say that they are data dependent, but I I think that this thing is quite challenging right now. And I think that the the confluence of events that has been underestimated, mm-hmm. and some of this is you know my own projecting. Right. When I say underestimated things like um, the, the labor force participation rate being a significant problem, but they're saying it's not a significant problem. I know too many people trying to hire that can't, so they can't run their business. So you think they're they undershooting continue. that? I, I think that they're underselling some of the structural problems of the economy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's the idea that data wonks are sometimes out of touch with the reality of the marketplace. And just like the gap between CPI and PPI, I think that they're, what they're inferring from the data is not inferring aggressive enough for what's really happening in the marketplace. Okay. And so by the time they get caught up, I think it's gonna be like, oh, well, now we, they may even overshoot it, right? Like, oh, now we got to lower rates because we were successful at killing this thing and we shot too far, and now we got to try to spool it back up. And, and why does this also make sense? Go look at the yield curve. If you wonder what the heck I'm talking about, now you have to stick around for the last segment where okay. I explain to you what is he talking about? What is what does he mean by the yield curve? But that's a message to come right after this. So stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you got True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEA.
0: Walk me through it. I want to see these visions, okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. David's well, gonna give us welcome visions. Welcome
1: back to the home stretch of the True well Show. It's about to get wonky. I and I'm not even sure if it is, but uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And if you're just joining us, you can grab the podcast. We've also got a live stream going on at uh, Little John's, like Little John Facebook page. My personal Facebook page. It's also on the YouTube. So we're all there. And I promised at the break we'd talk yield curve, Mm -hmm. okay, because the yield curve is telling us some interesting things. We've talked about inflation, and we've talked about the gap between CPI and PPI, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, consumer price index, which says, hey, inflation's at 8.6%, and then the producer price index is at 108 which suggests that producers are... Eating it on this one right now, right? Yeah. They're, they're they're actually getting hurt more than the consumer. They're the, so their prices are going up even faster. Uh, either that, or because of their prices going up so much, they're passing a lot more on, and it's fueling the inflation feedback loop, right? Yeah, Co- their products cost more, so it costs more for the consumer, which drives up inflation, which drives up their costs more. So we got this uh, inflationary spiral. So the Fed, the Federal Reserve, is like, we got to do something about inflation what are we going to do? Right? They Mm -hmm. start raising interest rates. And remember what's really happening under the hood when interest rates rise, you know, what we're being told as investors
0: that to borrow money, you're gonna have to give a better rate.
1: Well, yeah, no, the person borrowing is gonna have to pay more, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're out there buying bonds, remember, you're making a loan when you buy a bond. Yeah, I know it's backwards of what but but if, if I buy a bond, I'm making a loan. I'm buying a loan, right? If I buy a government bond, I'm loaning my money to the government. They're going to pay me interest. And then at the end of the time period, they're going to give me back my money in a balloon payment. Right. So that's what a bond is. Well,
0: so long term rates should be uh, higher than short term rates. Historically, long term should
1: be lo- the longer you tie up your money, the greater at risk it should be.
0: But lately, things have that's changed. That's not the case. We have yeah. an
1: inverted yield curve. This is a big dog whistle in the economic world because historically speaking, when that occurs, it signals a recession, and it's been a very effective signal that an, that a recession is on the time on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Okay? But where's the Fed stuck on this one, right? And and if you think about borrowers, right? If you're going to make a loan, I don't want to make a loan and get paid back with less than I'm lent out. But in an inflationary environment you're effectively saying, oh, sure, I'll, I'll lock my money up for 10 years, get paid 3%, and inflation's running at 8%.
0: And just no one's going to do it. Yeah,
1: who, why would you do that? That's like a Well, someone's
0: going to do it, but... Well, the only reason it's not going to be popular
1: is because they need to hedge other things. Sure. So they need a security blanket, if you will, so they can do this to hedge something else. They and, need
0: someplace just to place the money. Right. And so yeah.
1: you'll you'll see that when you need to, you know, offset a, a corresponding item. And so they're balancing each other out so mm-hmm. that you can be neutral. But largely, you're not going to see people do that. Right. So you're going to see bond prices fall until interest rates match the higher rates of the marketplace. And so it's going to cost more to borrow money. So that's why mortgage rates go up, for example. If rates go up, who's going to give you a low mortgage rate when they have to make up for inflation? Mm -hmm. This is pricing risk. It's part of the story here. Okay. So if rates are going up and short-term rates are high and long-term rates are low, Fed's really got themselves a conundrum here because when they raise rates, it's – What they're effectively saying is the economy is telling us it's going to slow down. They need to slow the economy down, but if they overdo it, right, then the economy slows down too fast and they have to actually try to flatten the yield curve back out. So now they they got to lower rates again. And the problem is it's like moving a giant ship in the water, right? Mm -hmm. Try to turn an aircraft carrier around quickly.
0: I was imagining someone just like burning the pancake, like, oh, they turn the stove up because it wasn't cooking and then you end up burning it and oh, turn it back down oh, that's st- a
1: pretty good one too <laughs> burning the pancake yeah like, the fed is really stuck aren't they because yeah they don't know, know where to set the stove if if yeah a, a, and that is actually a great analogy because setting it at the right temperature to balance things mm-hmm. the reality is it's unlikely to happen right you're going to constantly be varying the temperature of this economy in the form of interest rates And for a while, the Fed did pretty well. I just think that when COVID hit, it was like- It
0: threw them a curveball they just couldn't hit.
1: Well, the Fed could only do so much, right? They Mm -hmm. can manage rates to keep them low, but it's really difficult when you get the kind of stimulus that the government, the the type of direct money printing and injection of capital into the economy, as if that wasn't going to have an effect. I got news for you people, like, we all saw it coming. Deep. The most JV, not even JV, like we're talking freshman squad economist, armchair economist, okay? Like I just read it on a headline in the Google News feed. Kind of economist could tell you, you're going to print how much money, right? And that's not going to have any issues in the economy. Like no, nobody said it. People rationalized it. Sure. Like, well, yeah. You know, I'm like, well, I want the money. I want the stimulus because the government shut it down and so I need it, but printing money doesn't actually make value occur.
0: So going back to the Fed for a moment, so hindsight's a little twenty twenty. The yep. Fed's been catching a little bit of heat because people are saying, hey, you didn't come out swinging hard enough. You were a little bit behind the eight ball. You should have been more aggressive with these rate hikes. The, do you think that they should have been a little bit more aggressive out of the gate? Because you know, we, yes. Yeah.
1: That's my answer. And it's easy to arm share quarterback. This sure it is. The fact. That's not a hard one. I think where they were ridiculous. And I do mean ridiculous. I've kind of said this for a while mm-hmm. in advisors, just what slow I mean? to pull the trigger. It's not that like they kept saying, inflation was transitory. Oh, okay. And I was like, you have invented a term. Right. Like like you conjured something to try to rationalize your behavior. So you
0: weren't buying that at all. I
1: wasn't. I've been saying this for probably the better part of almost two years. And this is stuff that I could actually document some of it by going back into like my blog posts
0: and the podcast Uh, on the radio. So you go
1: back and look at this. And and what you would see is I've been saying that the dual mandate has been crippling the Fed for a while. Expand
0: upon that. The dual mandate. The dual
1: mandate is low interest rates and low unemployment. Mm. measuring the unemployment like they sacrificed for employment when COVID hit it was like nobody had jobs and so they had to find a way to conjure jobs so they kept inflation low to allow the job market to catch up but by the time the job market had caught up inflation had already the horse was out of the barn Mm -hmm. and they had a problem so you know they're out there running around in the field with no fence trying (laughs) to catch this horse (laughs) meanwhile the job market has gone nuclear and we have wage inflation and so it's right. that's just where we're at and like guys you you know i think there was a combination of like hoping they were right it's like we think it's transitory and then you know the supply chains just kept getting worse do you worse really think they
0: thought it was transitory or I, you, I
1: think they, they did
0: re, you think they really were convicted so not everybody
1: did there wasn't agreement in the fed lots of people right. were more hawkish lots so who
0: people. does the blame fall on? because that's the american way you got to blame someone so let active just...
1: fed governors that get votes right so they have mm-hmm. they have members so and the board they have people that give up so the fed gets to own this in the end because mm-hmm. they were the ones that so um,
0: it's not all on jerome powell's shoulders
1: no jerome powell's the guy that gets the blame for it okay so we,
0: we're gonna we'll point the finger at him yeah i mean sure
1: he's he's the chair and so He's driving the narrative and choosing what comes on the agenda and so forth. At least, as far as I understand. So, All
0: right, Jerome, you heard it right here. We're we're calling you out. We're pointing no, the no, finger. No, no. I mean, I also <laughs>
1: call out Janet Yellen as the Treasury Secretary. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, it's you know transitory. She kind of just passed the buck and, too. And I just look at this and say, it's not the case, right? Like like they just were. And she said she's wrong now. I just go, well, yeah, but at what cost? right mm-hmm. now that you're wrong you're like oh oops yeah. it's not it work that way right <laughs> lives are impacted here we're all going you know go buy an airline ticket or fill up a tank of gas or you know go to the grocery store and you're like ha oops yeah. gotcha <laughs> that's how we roll so anyway well look there's the music we're out of time for the day so the story yeah. is inflation is real it's going to impact portfolios uh, a lot of it's already priced in the market what comes next we're not sure Join us for the next program. We can talk about that, too. How do they reach us, man? 541-375-0898. Eight,
0: eight. All right. If you need help with your investments, give us a
1: shout. Otherwise, uh, we're out of time. This has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've to listening to the True Wealth on News radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.